911. What's the location of your emergency? Uh, it's on 69 northbound near mile marker 207, looks like. I'm not involved in it, but there's a car on the side of the road, uh, and there's someone laying in the street. All right, and what was your name? All right, and what's your callback number? There's a semi uh, sitting back there. I was going to go back and check on him, but there's people back there, it looks like. But it looks pretty dangerous. He's laying right outside his uh, open door. All right. All right, it looks like we have help on the way out there, okay? Okay, all right. Thank all you. Right. Thank you. Do you remember the movie Saving Private Ryan? It came out in 1998, starring Tom Hanks, Matt Damon, and some other big-name actors, directed by Steven Spielberg. Really incredible movie, one of my favorites. The first several minutes of that film is a graphic war scene. It's June 6, 1944, which is known as D-Day. U.S. soldiers are coming into Omaha Beach, and they are immediately under a lot of fire bullets flying by everywhere. I haven't watched this movie in years, but there's a brief scene that stuck with me for some reason. One of the soldiers there is in the heat of the battle, and he gets shot in the helmet. The helmet literally just saved his life. This is the first time he's been shot, and you can see he is amazed at what has just happened. He takes off the helmet to look at the spot where he was struck by the bullet, and he's clearly thinking, wow, I just got shot, and this helmet saved my life. And while he's holding the helmet in his hands, another bullet hits him in the head and immediately kills him. The essence of this really brief scene is that he was in awe of the first thing that happened, but what happened next was much bigger and much worse. That's kind of the underlying theme for what happened with my guest today, Stephen. He's a teenager, recently had his first car accident. It was a minor one, just a little fender bender, but it was something he hadn't experienced before. So at that moment, when he was exchanging information with the other driver, it seemed like a pretty big deal. But he had no idea that the really big thing was about to happen. Real people? in unreal situations. There is a man standing in front of me in my bedroom. My friend has been shot. I'm in the literally inside the river and I'm inside my car. He had told me multiple times that he was going to set himself on fire. If you say my name or try to look at me, I'm going to kill you. And he was just sobbing. He said, Mom, Mom, tell me you're going to be okay. And I jumped on the hood of the car and I held on. And I looked into the garage and he was hanging from the rafters. I had somebody standing on my neck. He's better to me dead. I want him dead. I'm Scott Johnson, and this is What Was That Like? I know this just happened a few months ago. How old are you? Uh, I am 18. I turned 18 the 2nd of January. When this happened, uh, you mentioned you're a senior in high school. And you had just started a job, right? You were brand new on this job? 
yeah, I was like literally fresh off the conveyor belt, like three days in. What was this job? Uh, I worked at an Amazon warehouse. Uh, it was very exciting, actually. It was a lot of hard work, which I really enjoy. So, uh, you know, I was ready to get into it. So I was very excited for the new job that lasted three days. Do you know, just as an aside, are are they going to take you back when you're ready, when you're able to work again? They said that I can reapply, but depending on, uh, you know, how I feel, uh, I don't know if I will, just because it's a lot of hard labor. And after all the injuries, it might be hard to go back. Yeah, you got to ease your way back into it. Mm-hmm. So you were actually working overnight. Yeah, uh, I had night shifts at Amazon, which was six in the evening to six in the morning. So it was a pretty intensive shift, especially for me being my first you know, real job. And, uh, you know, I just was not used to that night shift. So you were on your way back home after getting off work and, and was it still dark then? Yeah, it was, it was still dark. It was around six 30 in the morning. So the light was just coming up, but it was not bright enough at all for me to see much. So you're going down the interstate. This is interstate 69 in, uh, what's the big city in Indiana, South Bend or Indianapolis? It's Indianapolis. It's, it's close to Indianapolis. It was more closer to my small town of like Hamilton County, but it was close to Indianapolis. Yeah. And so you got into a little fender bender with another car. What, how did that happen? Because of me being so new to having a night shift, I was starting to get a little drowsy at the wheel, which uh, thankfully the worst thing that happened was the fender bender coming out of that. I'm a little heavy on the gas when I drive, I'll be honest. And that didn't mix well with the fact that I was drowsy. So uh, I kind of tapped her. Uh, Thank goodness it was only a bit of a tap. But yeah, she was definitely going the proper speed limit. And I was just a bit too fast and tapped her. So you both pull off the road. And did you were both of your cars off the freeway? Yeah, both of our cars were, I think, mine was four feet off and hers was a foot off the white line. And thank goodness, my father taught me, right? He taught me to turn on my hazards whenever I get out of my car. So, you know, I turn the lights on and then she does the same. It was my first accident I'd ever gotten into, which was, you know, a blessing that it was such a a minor one. So I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in my driver's seat and I'm freaking out because like, oh no, I really hope I didn't destroy the back of this lady's bumper. And she comes, she comes over to the side of my door. She taps my window and she's like, are you okay, hon? And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. She's so sweet. Cause I was afraid to just get like chewed out by someone. And she asked me if I'm okay. You know, I explained to her that, you know, it's my first few days and I'm not used to the night shifts. And it, you know, it was so glad that she was so, she understood so well. So obviously, because of an accident, I had to exchange information with her, which is normal with every accident that happens. So I go through my glove box and I grab the proper stuff and she goes back to her car to grab what she needs. So, you know, I get out of my car and I walk up to hers and her window wasn't working because her car was a bit older. So the window just didn't work. So she's like, here, just come over to the side of the door. So I'm sitting there, I'm talking with her, we exchange our information, and then, you know, we're just kind of shooting the shit for a bit, because we both work the same place, so we're both talking about it. She She's sitting in her car with the door partly open, is that right? Yeah, just a bit, because uh, of her window not working. Uh, 
it blink and you miss it, a uh, semi-truck smears me against the floor, like, instantly. I didn't even know what was going on. It was the sh- most shocking thing I had ever been through, unsurprisingly. Did you see it coming at all? The the lady who I had, I had had a fender bender with saw me look at it, and my last words would have been, oh, shit, and then it hit me. <laughs> so it was like no time to react for anyone. So what did the truck actually hit? The truck hit a mixture of my right side and her door. So her door of the car got pretty mangled. It wasn't insane, but you could tell it had been hit by a semi and I was right there like at the door. So it hit me perfectly square in I think either the shoulder or the back. And this was a full-size tractor trailer. Yeah, this was a 18-wheeler hauling some big cargo. It was it, it was, you know, as weighted down as you could make it. It's amazing that it was. It's even possible you could survive that. Yeah, I am very lucky because normally I had done research uh, after I had learned what had happened to myself, and when you hear about someone getting hit by a semi, normally there's an obituary afterwards. For me, it, it was just so insane that I actually lived. From what I remember from some pictures I have that the police had given me. I had just dropped. I didn't even get like flung. It just, it just like floored me. And obviously the truck driver stopped because he had assumed that he hit someone. So from the second I was hit to when she called the police was 11 seconds, which is astonishing. You know, she was on it. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV. And her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what are going to cookunity.com slash what. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. 
every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully, that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. Oh, my God. Don't move. Don't move. I'm on 69. This, this kid hit me. Oh, yeah, I'm back behind. And he came up to the, he's in the dead. And this is my DM. What do you mean? my door. He's by my door. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Ma'am, where are you at? Oh my God! I, I, did you see what the mile marker is right there? No. Oh my God! Yes, go, go. Take a deep breath for me. I'm going to stop. Are you northbound or southbound? I, oh my God, I'm going northbound. Okay. Are you? Oh my God, I'm on. Are you on the 207? I'm on 69, um, she's, she's running, oh my god, he's still in the move, oh my god, oh my god, ma'am, oh my god, we need an ambulance, we have to help him with that, oh my god, tell me exactly what happened, I, I, I work at Amazon, I was coming home, and he ran on the phone with the ambulance, people, they're coming, Oh my God! He's so. Oh my God! Oh, ma'am, tell me um, exactly what. I was coming from Whitestown. Okay. And tomorrow I was coming on 69, and he. Oh my God! Stop moving! Stop moving! Don't move, honey, please. Okay. Um. Did somebody get hit by a vehicle? He hit me. Okay. He fell asleep as he was driving. Okay. So he, car crash. He ran. He ran into me. Yes. Okay. And we pulled over to the side of the road. And he was coming up to give me his information, and he was standing there, and I used him, I, him, and, yes, yes, he's in bad, bad shape, he's in bad shape. Okay, okay. Okay, yeah, please, hurry, please. I'm, I've got help coming, just stay with me, okay? What's your name? Okay. <laughs> okay, just take a deep breath for me, okay? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Please, please, please hurry, please, God. Got help coming, okay? It's two seven, two seven. Oh my God, please! Oh my God, please! Please don't move, honey. Please don't. Where is that mail at? He is right at my driver's door. Okay, is he still or is he in? Yes, yes. Okay, are you able to turn your hazards on? They're on. His, okay, his car is behind mine. His, his hazards are on. Okay. Oh. Okay. Um, oh, what kind of vehicle oh. are you in, ma'am? What kind of vehicle are you in? I'm in a white truck. 
I'm in a white white truck. He's he's in a, a white um um he's in a white like a SUV something. It's a GMC something. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Please, honey, don't move. Is he awake? Um. Yeah. Sort of. Yes. Sort of. Okay. Did the semi stop? Yes. Yes. Listen. Listen. Are you guys on the right shoulder or left shoulder? Uh, right shoulder. All right. Yeah. You hit him. Oh my God, man. Is he awake? Is that is that male awake? I'm on the phone with him right now. Is that male awake? He is. He is trying to move. All right. Tell oh, my God. He's Tell him to move, okay? Okay. Huh? Right now? There's people around. Do not move him unless they're in danger, all right? Yeah, all right, they're not, no, he's not touching me. He's not, he's not. Oh, is there a blanket? See if there's a blanket back here. Just, just, just like this, yeah. Listen to me, where is just he? Like, Where's he at? Is he in front of your vehicle? He's right outside the driver's door. Okay, okay. And I don't know where, just like this. You drive a white van, is that correct? No, I, I drive a white truck. Okay, so he's in front of the white truck. Is there a blanket? Huh? He's in front of the white truck, is that correct? The GMC is is behind my white truck. Okay. He is the driver of the GMC. Okay. The person on the on the ground. I don't I don't even know his name. Okay, okay. I don't even so know his name. You did the right thing. We have a ton of help coming away. I need you to be here with me, okay? Okay. All right. Just okay. Update. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I see it. I see it. Oh, God. Holy Jesus. Holy Jesus. Oh, my God. We were just driving, and I had just looked up and said, Oh, my God, he's coming up on me awful fast, and he slammed right into the, the back of me. And, and we pulled over. Okay. And, and he, walked, he walked up to the truck and and the rear of the was in my hand. Okay. Oh my God, help him! Okay. Help him! Help him! Help him! Okay. This in my hit him. His leg. His leg. His leg. Oh my God. The officer's there, ma'am. Yes. All right. Yes. Let you go. Okay. So it hits me, and I go on the ground, and I'm passed out for what I think was about five or ten minutes. And then finally, as I'm coming to, I have no idea what happened. So I'm just laying on the ground like, did I fall over? What's going on? And I go to pick myself up, and my arms just do not support any weight. So that's kind of when the first sign of like, oh, something bad happened begins. Uh, thankfully, I was in such intense shock that I didn't feel anything at the time, which was just the biggest blessing because I'm sure that I would have passed out again if I could feel anything at that point. So, you know, I'm on the ground. I 
can't get up. I'm very confused. So I just start looking around because I because my glasses had flung off. I can't see anything. So I'm just looking for like lights or anything I can see. And lo and behold, that's when the police officer arrives on the scene. And he assumes that I'm dead because, you know, anyone would when you see me on the side of the road in a semi truck in front of me. And he walks up to me. He goes, are you okay, son? And I just look up to him. and I go, oh, good evening, officer. How are you doing today? And he's like, oh, goodness. He was very surprised, as was I. He did the, you know, standard thing the police officer does. He checks me to make sure that I'm not, like, dying, literally. And he's like, are you okay? Can you feel anything? Do you know, do you know what's going on? And he basically just calms me down so that the paramedics can get there and start, you know, assessing me to see what's up, which was awesome of him because I'm sure that if I knew anything was going down, I would have freaked out. So he's just making sure I'm all right for the first few minutes. And then the paramedics get there and they do their thing. You know, they, they cut off my clothes, which sucks. I had a really nice shirt on and they're, you know, making sure that I'm okay. And at the time I was just like, I have no idea what's wrong with me. So I'm just going to let them do what they need to do. And they assess my damages. They flip me over onto like a gurney and then they put me into the ambulance ride, which was, it probably was about five or 10 minutes in real time. But for me, it felt like an hour of them just, you know, feeling me up and making sure that I'm like breathing. But by the time that they had, everything had been said and done and I'm in the ambulance, that's when the pain starts to kick in. Because I'm calming down and I'm like starting to, you know, sort of catch my bearings. And I'm like, this really hurts. What's going on? And he goes, oh, it hurts. And I go, yeah. And he goes, don't worry. Give it like five seconds. And I go, what do you mean? And then I wake up two weeks later. <laughs> so what what was hurting? What What kind of pain did you have? The pain came mostly from my back, my arms, and my leg. A lot of the injuries that I had sustained are very visible on my body. You can see where the bones inside of my arm had been broken. You can see on my left side where my bone had come out of my arm and how it had basically torn up the entire side of it. My entire pelvis was fractured. Like, I mean, it was in two or three pieces at the time. And as well as a lower part of my back had been broken. That's a lot of bones. Have you ever broken any bones prior to that? No, uh, it was my first time, you know. I really dived into the deep end. I thought it was it, it's interesting that you say that you the fender bender, it was the first time you'd ever been in an accident. Good thing it was a minor one, but boy, you had no <laughs> idea what the major one was about to, to yeah. happen, huh? So your both of your arms were broke were broken. Your back you had some ribs broken as well? Yes, I had broken, I think, I don't remember exactly, but it was a couple of my lower ribs. And your pelvis and, mm-hmm. and your legs. You had, one of your, one of your big injuries was particularly your, your right leg. What happened there? We don't know exactly how it happened, but uh, some, somewhere during the accident, my leg was taken off. At first, below the knee. But through surgery, it ended up becoming an above-the-knee amputation uh, just because of a lot of complications and how dirty the cut was because, you know, it wasn't a prepared uh, amputation. So it just ended up becoming an above-the-knee. 
So your leg was actually severed at the time of the accident. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness it wasn't clean because the main artery that runs through my leg was the only reason I was alive because it didn't break. It just stretched. Because if that had broken, I would have been dead by the time the police got there. So really, that was like a one in a million shot. How do you think that may have happened with your leg being severed? Like the truck ran over it with the, one of the wheels or do you have any idea? We don't know exactly. There was a lot of like AI simulations that they ran to try and guess, but we don't really know. My guess and my father's guess, because my father drove trucks for well in over eight years, was that the uh, the stairs on the side of the truck hit me directly in the leg and it just took it off. Was the other driver of the other car, uh, was she injured at all? No, uh, she was shell-shocked by it, like anyone would be. But she was fine otherwise. Really, it was just her car and me that got injured. Thank goodness, too. So your car wasn't damaged? My car, the back taillight that was facing the road shattered, but that's it. It had just barely tapped it, we assume. So you were put in, you were brought to the hospital and put into a coma for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any of that time? I remember near the end of the two weeks because that was when I was really starting to begin to wake up. I just remember being awake for like five or 10 minutes at a time. And then every time I would blink, I would have a dream. So I would, I would pass out for like an hour every time I just closed my eyes and it was the worst too because I dreamt I was at work and it was never a good dream it was just like why am I back at the warehouse what's going on I guess it's my shift now what do you remember about can you describe coming out of the coma it was slow in the beginning so when I first started coming to I think the person that realized it most was my father could he because he would get about 30 calls a day from me telling him what had happened to myself. I would basically wake up, forget everything that had happened to me. Someone would tell me, and the first thing I would do would be call my father and tell him. And then, you know, I'd fall asleep, I'd wake up and repeat ad nauseum. It wasn't really the accident that was doing that. It was more just, uh, you know, the medicine they were giving me. I still haven't seemed to have any form of brain damage from it, thank goodness. It was just a lot of the... Uh, intense pain meds I was being given that would basically just like kind of give me a memory wipe every time I fell asleep. Talk about when they told you about your leg. I remember waking up and sort of for the first time in a while feeling kind of there because every time I would wake up I remember feeling a very intense sense of like just not understand understanding what's going on or where I am at all because the lights were always off in my room so I just had no idea what was going on and this lady walks in and she's like good morning Steven and I go hello like what's going on and she's like she you could tell she's been through the works with me because she comes in and she has like the script ready she's like you've been in an accident it's currently I forget exactly what day it was it was about two weeks after May 4th So she was like, probably something along the lines of like, it's May 28th, you know, you've been in an accident, you've broken a lot of bones, and you know, you've lost your right leg. So you're out here at the hospital, and she kind of just breezes past it. 
And because of that, I kind of just didn't catch it the first time. But I, when she's done talking, I go, did you say I lost my leg? And she goes, yes, son, you lost your right leg. And I go, no way. And I flip over the blanket and I look at it and I go, oh, I did. And first thing I do, because I'm finally awake and I get told what's going on, I call my dad and he's like, hey, buddy, are you about to tell me you lost your leg? And I go, oh, you already know. And he goes, you've told me quite a few times. I already know. And I go, well, yeah, that's what I was calling to tell you. He goes, okay, how you feeling? You know, and I was very sick in the beginning. I had a lot of infections in my leg that had been just because of the accident. So, you know, it was hard for me to eat and it was hard for me to like keep anything down just because I always felt so sick. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, thank goodness I did wake up at some point, though, because there was a chance. My family told me that there was a big chance that I wouldn't. I guess when they put you into a medically induced coma, there's there there's always that chance, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But you have youth on your side. Yes, I do. When I was in high school, I had gone on the fencing team. So I was rather fit at the time and my body wasn't in perfect condition, but it had been used to training. So I was healthy and I just started a job at Amazon. So I was constantly on my feet. Can you talk about the, th- the thought process when you've realized that you've just lost a good part of your leg? My first thought was how is this going to affect the rest of my life? I thought about that for a long time because you have, when you're very young, you have a naive thought about what the rest of your life is going to be like. You know, you don't know exactly, but you have an idea of what you want it to be. And I was like every other kid, I had this idea of like, you know, going to college, getting a job, having a family and all that. And this accident kind of tore that all up and made me have to reconsider the entirety of my life. And then after that, I tried to think about what it was going to be like personally, because a lot of my friends had been told of the accident about the accident while I was out, but I had woken up and it all, all hit me at once, you know? So it was very, it was very insane to see, the idea that my life had been before the accident and like a smash cut to what it was now. You've been out of the hospital how long now? Uh, I'd say one or two months. I was in the hospital for, uh, I think, exactly five or six months. Like on the day of the 4th, I think, in like September, uh, I had finally gone home. So it had definitely been an extensive amount of time in the hospital. Have you fully processed now life without your right leg? I still have moments where it's a surprise to me, but I've always been able to take things, you know, as they happen. And I've never really had anything get hung up with me often. 
So because of that, I was able to sort of understand quicker than I think a lot of people would. I saw a picture of you in the hospital mm-hmm. and you were smiling. You seem like a very a, a person with a very positive attitude. Is that something that you've always been that way or have you deliberately trained yourself for that? That has been my entire life. For some reason, I've always just been able to find the bright side of things. You know, when I was a baby, I had never cried. Uh, my dad described me as the, the perfect baby because I would just sit there. I would eat. I would watch the TV for a bit. I would fall asleep and then wake up and do it again until I eventually learned how to talk and it just went downhill from there. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I've just always been able to find the good side to things. And I, I think a lot of that also comes from my desire to be a comedian. Uh, every every class clown wishes that they can be on the stage. And I tried it out a few times before the accident. So I think I've always been able to take a good joke. And this was the funniest joke I'd ever been in, ever. Because I, I just, I, it's hilarious to me. I don't know how, but it is. Yeah. I Can you explain that? Because uh, I'm thinking some people, if this happened to them, this would be like uh, the beginning of a long depression. Mm-hmm. And now you're saying this is like the funniest joke that's ever happened. Yeah. I, how, how does that work? I've always been able to make fun of myself. That's how all great comedians find out that they're funny is, you know, just self-deprecating jokes. And you know, when I figured this all out, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great material. Uh, I'm the sit-down comedian, not the stand-up one. So it was just ways for me to figure out, like, I can't be depressed about this. This is too funny. I, I also do imagine the future quite a lot, which right now I don't have a prosthetic leg. But, you know, when I do, it'll be awesome to have like a robot leg that I can walk up, you know, and down the street with. That's one thing I wanted to ask you about was what's the prospect of a prosthetic? Have you looked at different ones or are there different models or how do you do that? We've talked with a few uh, prosthesis people uh, about prosthetic legs. There's still some stuff on my stump that has to heal first before I actually go into looking at them. But, you know, nowadays technology is so advanced that like the top of the line prosthetic leg is like amazing. There's these types of legs that have pre-built modes in them for like, there's one for like walking and biking and driving where, you know, you just kind of put weight on the back of your foot and it just changes modes for you. So I was very shocked to figure that out because like, you know, whenever you hear about a prosthetic leg in the movies, it's like, here's this stick with a bone joint in it. Have fun. Yeah, but now you push a button and it goes into running mode and then you hope you can keep up with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be more advanced than I am at the, at this point. I read that you tried to avoid pain medication. Yes. Why why is that? Talk about that. Uh my family uh, has had some trouble with addiction. My my mother died when I was 8, which it was it's it was sad at the time, but I I, I miss her, but uh, you know, I think I've gotten over it as much as you can. Uh, So, you know, and she died of a drug overdose, which, you know, is a big wake up call when, when you're like, wow, this runs in my family. I have to be mindful of this. So I was always like, don't give me all of it. Just if I need more, I'll talk to you about it. But if I can take it, I'll take it. Were there ever times when you were in severe pain and you just decided to take the pain rather than take the pill? There were times where I was in some intense pain that I was like, I can do this, but it's going to be a rough ride. 
when they had first started initially wrapping up my stump, they would knock me out for it. So they'd, they'd put me under, they'd change my wrappings, and then I'd wake up in my hospital bed later. But one day the doctor was like, we're going to try this without you going to sleep. And I just want you to know it's going to hurt. And I'm like, that's going to be fine. And my dad had finally been able to visit because of COVID restrictions. It, he was gone and away from me for like a month or two at least. So he was standing there with me for the first time that I had ever had to go through this, like while I was awake. And, you know, I was being all high and mighty. I was like, this isn't going to hurt. It's going to be fine. And they start taking off the bandages. And I remember it very vividly. I look over at my dad and I grab his collar and I just go, I would stab a man in the heart and watch the life leave his eyes to never feel this pain again. And he goes, would you like medicine? And I go, no, I'm good. It was just, I don't know. I, I just, I think I'm crazy sometimes for it, but it definitely helped in the long run. I don't, I don't rely on it as much as, as much as I thought I would if I took it as much. That's a good thing. If you can avoid it, that's, a, that's, a, that's definitely good. Do you have full movement of your arms and your hands and your other leg and everything? My other leg is completely fine, as well as my right arm, but my left arm currently has a lot of problems when it comes to its extenders. So basically, if anything involves moving up on my right hand, it can't be done on my left. But everything downwards motion works, so like clenching fists and like you know moving the wrist down. The elbow is completely fine on that arm, but really it is just I can't move my wrist up or my fingers up. And what's the prognosis on that? Is that can you have therapy to bring that back? They tested it a while ago and it hadn't been healed yet. So they're going to give it a little bit more time. And if it does start showing signs of healing, then they'll just let it do its own thing. But they have been talking about surgery to get it to start working again if it still shows no signs of healing. So you got some possibilities there either way. Mm -hmm. Any idea on your total medical bill? Ooh, yeah. Uh, we believe, I don't know exactly, I don't remember the last time I checked, we believe it is in the tune of one and a half mil. It, it's shocking. I am literally the million dollar man right now. I can't believe it. You know, thank goodness for insurance because it's wild. Have you ever spoken to the truck driver? No, uh, because of legal stuff, I was advised not to, as well as the lady, you know, they just wanted to make sure that everything had been taken care of beforehand. And, you know, when this is all said and done, I'll be able to, but for now I haven't been uh, able to yet. And I'm sure he's probably been instructed to not contact you as mm -hmm. well. Any other insights that you've had from this happening to you? A lot of people will tell me that like, oh my gosh, you know, if I was in your position, I, I don't know how I would do it. And at, at first I was like, yeah, that's understandable. It's, it's a very intense thing that happened to me, but definitely after living through it, I can say that uh, you get a lot stronger mentally. Uh, I think a lot of people could go through what I'm going through right now if they went through it. Because, you know, for me, there's there's no chance for me to be able to give up if I wanted to. It's my life now. I got to live through it. So if there was a button that was like, would you like to would you like to give up? I'd still consider it. But I think after all this, I wouldn't press it just because it's too I got too many good jokes. I can't give up this. Are you kidding me? 
What would you think about a What Was That Like podcast t-shirt or face mask or a hoodie or a sweatshirt or a coffee mug or a phone case or even a pillow? Well, all of that is now available at whatwasthatlike.com slash store. You can get all kinds of stuff with the podcast logo. And you know when someone sees that, the first question will be, what was that like? What's that all about? All of the clothing comes in all sizes and colors, so there's definitely something for everyone there. My plan eventually is to have some designs made for specific episodes of the podcast, so you might see some kind of graphic of a plane crash or an alligator attack, or maybe just a foot if you're a fan of episode 28. Yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. Anyway, check it all out at whatwasthatlike.com store. And here's something you probably didn't know. What Was That Like has a podcast voicemail line. You can call it anytime, day or night, and leave a message, and you might end up hearing it on a future episode. The number to call is 727-386-9468. And recently, a listener called in to talk about one of the recent episodes, and this was about episode number 65 which is called Brandon Was Dragged by a Horse. And here's what she had to say. Hi, I just wanted to call in and um, and tell you that I was so happy to hear, um, I think it was Brandon Was Dragged by a Horse, the episode before the newest one, the one before the last. Oh, my God, I can't even talk. But anyway, um, I was happy to hear how well they treated the horses and how much um, kindness and effort was put into the horse's health and well-being at, like, you know, the Renaissance fairs and stuff like that. My family and I really try not to um, go to anything that utilizes animals for entertainment, mainly based on um, really terrible punishing punitive practices that they use in order to get the animals to do these unnatural kind of things, you know, to entertain us. And just everything really seemed to be about the happiness and the health and well-being of the horses. And um, and then I remember you made a comment within that podcast where um, or that story where you were saying, that it was like it came before the well-being of the people or you were like, oh, you would think that the people came first. But really, the and I, I totally understand what you were saying because that kind of popped into my head too as I was listening. But then I was like, but the horses don't really choose to go into that situation. You know, they're not – the people are really in charge of this whole – the whole circus of it. Not I don't mean it in a, in a mean way, but you get the idea. It's like – the horses are not wanting to go and do these performing kind of things. So really they should be, you know, their health and well-being really should be number one. So um, anyway, uh, I just really wanted to stress and emphasize how happy I was to hear that. That was so awesome. So tell, if you can pass along the message to Brandon, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It makes me feel so much better because uh, my husband loves to go to the Renaissance Fair and we festivals and w- when they come to town and we don't go very often, but every few years. But it's because I have such a hard time seeing like the horses. So um, that made me feel so much better. So please tell him thank you if you can. All right. Keep up the good work. And I love, love, love the podcast. 
it is uh, really remarkable. Thanks. Bye. So once again, if you'd like to call in your comments, you can do that by calling 727-386-9468. If you can't write that down right now, you can also find it on the website on the contact page. And that number is never answered by a human being, but I do listen to all the messages that are left there, and I just might play it on a future episode. And if you'd prefer a group conversation with other listeners, as well as past guests that were on the podcast, just join our private Facebook group at whatwasthatlike.com slash Facebook. Really great discussions on there, and we don't talk politics at all. Maybe that's why it's fun. So that's a wrap, and I'm going to go start working on the next one. Stay safe, and I'll see you in two weeks.